Kathy Adams. Welcome back, Zen Parenting Radio, episode number 158. Uh, we have a wonderful show. We have two big topics. You ready? <clears throat> you who, ready, sweetie? Who, the listeners or me? Well, actually, are you ready? I'm ready. Our two topics are... Um, when do our kids need us the most? Sorry, that was probably loud in people's ears when I just did that. That's all right. Uh, when do kids need us the most? Is it, uh, I'll give you two choices, before they're two or between the ages of 10 and 14? I know what I think. I know what I think too. And then the other thing is going to be 10 habits of happy couples. Okay. So Todd's got this blog that is on the Good Men Project. And it's called, it's the 11 mistakes. We actually did a show about it a couple of weeks ago, 11 mistakes that he felt he made in marriage. And it's got like all sorts of people liking it. It's like got over 1000 likes already. And it's only been up like less than 24 hours. Beginner's luck. It's not beginner's luck. It's good. But I did see one guy wrote something under it. Like you need to read the empowered mail because it's not all your fault. He's the one that re- needs to read the empowered mail. That's my response. Well, and the thing is, is I think there's assumptions. If you say these are all the mistakes I've made, then everything's my fault. And it's not. It's just you do your half and I do my half. That's right. And together, two halves equal? Two people. A whole. Well, yes. One. But remember, you even said we're not one. That's we are right. two people. We are two people. Yes. I'm glad one. we got that cleared up. <laughs> All right, Zen Parenting Radio. It is a spiritual a discussion between a spiritual and emotional mom and a logical and practical dad. We have three daughters. Count them three. Ten, nine, six. Ten, five, four, three. Wasn't there a what song? What are you singing? Four, four three, two, two one. one. Early lowing. Oh my gosh! Not early lowing. <laughs> okay, stop. 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 Sorry. It's earth below us. That's what I said. You're singing. Major Tom. Ground control to Major Major Tom. (laughs) Our goal is to give you the resources to become a better parent, but more importantly, to become a better you. The mantra, the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. Before we get into these two really awesome topics, uh, we got to talk about HunterYoga.com. Yes. She has, uh, she's our partner. She has a special um, offer to Zen Parenting Radio listeners. Special for you guys. Um, it's a 28-day immersion of yoga, and all you need is a laptop. That's all you need. Mm-hmm. And, or an iPad. Or an iPad. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first seven days are free, so we encourage you to sign up to give it a try. Yeah. Because we are beginning to know our partner a little bit better, and she sure seems to be in alignment with our message. And again, it's not just about yoga. It's about breathing. It's about meditation. It's about self-care. So even if you're like, well, I don't do yoga, or you have the old saying that you're not flexible, you're not supposed to be. Mm -hmm. That's the whole point of doing yoga. But she also, you know, she makes it, um, she creates it for you, meaning you can do um, a deeper practice, you can do a light practice, you can do it for 10 minutes, you can do it. So don't hesitate to sign up and at least check it out. And how do they do that? Uh, HunterYoga.com slash Zen Parenting. Okay, just Zen, isn't it? Oh, just Zen. Just Zen. HunterYoga.com. Uh, slash Zen, or you can go to our ZenParentingRadio.com page, and there is a link to her um, to it on uh, the lower right hand side of our homepage. It's also on our Facebook page, and if you're just like, I want to make sure I find the right thing, just comments at ZenParentingRadio.com, and we'll send you the link. Uh, and there's also other resources in it, like there's a I think a Facebook book community. I mean, it's an all encompassing. Actually, thing. and she just did an interview with me, and my interview is on her page too, um, where we talk about yoga and how we both started and how it changed our life. And so. that's going to be on our, on our show notes as well. Okay. So 
Um, so let's jump into. We also want to give those tickets away, by the way. Oh yeah, Girl Rising is a, is next week. How many tickets do we have? To I give think away? we have about five. So here's the deal. I don't think we have five. I think we yeah, have we three. Well, I have an extra. Uh, Heather gave two. Heather gave two, and then um, Cheryl gave a few. Okay. So we at least however have five. many we have. So this is what we're gonna do. The first five people, however many people that share this podcast. Let's, that can let, come. I'm sorry to change this, but let's give away three and hold on to two maybe for next week. First three people yeah. that can come. So if you share, make sure you can come. Or if not, we'll just go to the next person. Yeah. Just share it. Um, and if you can come, great. If you and can. then we'll get in touch with you via Facebook. So share the show. So if you share the show and you hear from us, then you have a free ticket. And it's a ticket to Girl Rising, which is on January 21st. First. It's next. So that's a week from Tuesday. And it is at the Lombard Theater, AMC. So if you're anywhere in the western suburbs or Chicago, it's easy to get to. Lots of parking. Nice theater. So you're all set. Okay. So let's get into it. I want to first talk about the 10 Habits of Happy Couples because last week was 10 mistakes or 9 mistakes mm-hmm. that you've made Mm-mm, as ten. a wife. I had 11, but then one of them was too much like the other. And you were rushing me a bit. I know I was. You were rushing me. You, were giving, you kept giving me the keep going signs. I still think it was 9. Okay, you, and then, sweetie, guess what? You win. And the week before that was 11 mistakes, so I won. Okay. So here's 10 habits of happy couples. Are you going to read them all? Uh, or are we going to yeah. go through them? We're going to go through them. Okay. I okay. don't know what they are. Todd, Todd said he wanted to keep this show a secret from me. Number one, go to bed at the same time. Uh, okay. Are you buying that? Um, I think that it is important in that if you never do it, it's hard to reconnect at the end of the day, but I also totally need wiggle room in there mm-hmm. because sometimes I want to go to bed early and sometimes you have work to do and I'm not going to stay up until you go to bed because you want me to. We used to be really good at going to bed at the same time mm-hmm. and we're, we're okay at it, but we're not as good as we used to I'd be. I'd say we're four out of seven or five out of seven yeah. days. And and most of that is just because like, for example, um, you know, last Wednesday I taught two nights. I you taught Tuesday night, I taught Wednesday night, and I taught Thursday night. So we were like coming to bed at later times because of the work we were doing. We were ships sailing in the sea. And I will no, I always say when Todd and I have those days, I always say we're ships passing in the night. And I always try and when I pass him, like give him a hug or something to be like, I'm noticing we're not seeing each other today. Passing in the night, sailing in the sea. <laughs> um, How about sailing at night through the sea? There you go. So anyway, I agree with that, meaning that I think it's a good um, – if you haven't been talking for a while, that's a, it, what I mean is if you feel unconnected, I think nighttime is a really t- good time to connect. But I know that the reality of many people's lives is that at, doing that seven days a week is tough. Right. So, so this is all about um, – Ideas. It, there's 10 ideas that we're going to throw at you. Actually, there's an 11 because I want to throw one. Okay. So I two. give it a thumbs up. Um, but if you could do one of these things, your marriage is going to be better. So don't right. do 10, just do the ones you like. Yeah. And this is uh, from a blog. We'll include it in our show notes, but I think the guy who wrote it is Dr. Mark Goldston. So I feel like we're, we should probably mention his name. Okay. Uh, but the link to the blog will be in the podcast as okay. well. Number two, um, my drum roll. I got to get my drum roll ready. Got to get the snare. Is that the snare drum? Cultivate common interests. What do you think? Yes, yeah, for sure. Have we cultivate, cultivated any common interests? For sure. Like what? Like everything we do for a living and oh. what we talk about. Not golf, though. 
But that's okay. See, here's the thing is, is that this is, again, it's like the first one you said, you're not going to do it all the time. Right. You should have separate interests too. I, I bet the next one could be have separate interests right. because that keeps you, you know, you want to remain a whole person. You don't want to blend into each other. Right. Um, but at the same time, if you cultivate similar interests, then it keeps you, it gives you something to do together. Right. You know, if you both, it could be just simply you both love to go to movies. And we do. We love to go to movies. That's right. And we love to teach together and we both love yoga. And But again, it's that, that really slippery slope of you don't force each other into things. You find things that are already similar. Remind me to uh, give a tournament of bad. And, uh, I haven't heard those yeah. lovely tournament of bad voices in a long time. Are tournament you going to play those? Um, yeah, that one. Tournament of bad. Tournament of bad. Terminator bad. I love that. That's the preview because I'm not going to give it to you. Okay. Yet. So, all right. <clears throat> Number three. Um, forget the drum roll. Walk hand in hand or side by side. I love that. Yeah. We kind of do that and yeah, as our default mode. Yeah. Not always hand in not hand. Not always hand in hand, like, but side by side. Side by side. What do we? What I'm supposed to walk in front? Actually, I do walk in you front do. of you sometimes. This is interesting, Todd, because a couple years ago, you noticed that you were always walking in front of me because mm. you were more in a hurry. Yes. And you said, I did not say, I don't think I said anything, or maybe I made fun of you, who knows. But at some point you said, I'm going to try to walk not so much in front of you. Mm -hmm. Because, and again, notice that, you know, taking this off marriage for a second, we do that to our kids too. Like today, Skylar was loving the ice that's now like melting into water. And so it's kind of pretty. And I was walking her into kindergarten, she was stomping on the ice and I'm pulling her and yanking her. And I really had to take a moment and breathe and say, gosh, let her stomp She's on the ice. She's experiencing nature yes. as everything we talk about. And then there you are pushing her along. Pulling her, pulling literally her. like yanking her. And I had to really take a deep breath and be like, and, and if we were late, that'd be one thing, but she had a couple minutes. Right. So anyway. So just chill out. Chill. Uh, number Chillax. four, make trust and forgiveness your default mode. For eh, sure. It's kind of a boring one. Well, it's, it's essentially important, but yeah, I mean, if you could do that, do it. But how many people don't? How many people love to hold a grudge? How, yeah, the conversation you and I had a week ago about that person we were talking to that said um, marriage is all about leverage and power. Right. I'm like, really? Yeah. That sounds fun. How's that working for How's you? How's that working? Um, so a lot of people really believe in the leverage power thing that you're always trying to one up or you're always trying to make sure that you have more than or that they've made more mistakes and that's not forgiveness and that's not what was the first word trust that's not trust yeah just just be trustworthy and forgiving yes with your wife and everybody else in your life for goodness sakes because it's about your ability to function in this world and if you hold on to grudges you're not poisoning them you're poisoning, poisoning yourself you. you're drinking the poison yeah. and hoping they'll die what's the say what's the saying give me the saying well, holding a grudge is or not forgiving is like drinking the poison and hoping they die. I thought there was or, a snake in there. Um, well, the snake. <laughs> there's a snake. The snake bite thing is that when something happens, it's not the bite that kills you; it's the venom that runs through your veins. So, it, when something happens to you, or someone breaks a trust, or they do something that hurts you, it's not that experience that's mm -hmm. going to knock you down. Mm -hmm. It's you holding on to it and allowing that venom to poison you. So, and again. Because some people may not have listened to our previous shows, forgiveness is a process. Right. Of course, you need to feel your emotions. Of course, you need to speak your truth. Of course, you need to maybe do some deep crying or take some time away. I'm not saying that it's instant, instantaneous. Right. But in the end, you're doing yourself a favor if you can forgive and let go. You ready for number five? Yes. Uh, and I challenge uh, the listeners to see how many of these 10 they're already doing. Okay. Give us your report. How many of these? Number five, focus more on what your partner does right than what he or she does wrong. Oh, for sure. It's another. Well, that was one of mine last week. Remember, I said the the um, 
you know, I can be annoyed by your socks right. or I can notice that our finances are really nicely in order right. yeah. and that there you're you really organized nice. and that That's you true. made the bed or that, you know, and I can, if I want, if I really want something to be annoyed at, I can find it. You can find it with me too. Right. We can always find it in anything or any person. If you feel like being annoyed, don't worry. It'll the thing be that there. drives me nuts more than anything are people that look for reasons to be offended. And sometimes I am that person, but most of the time I'm not. But there's people that walk through their daily lives that look for reasons to be upset. And there's a lot of people that won't be able to... Oh, I hit my microphone. And I just coughed. I know. That was like simultaneous. We're in alignment. We are. Sometimes people don't even recognize that. They'll say, no, I don't. It's just other people are mean. What Todd means by we, we walk through the world looking to be offended is we're already so defensive and we already have an assumption about people that they're trying to hurt us that no matter what they say, it filters through a lens of – or not filters through a lens. It We filter it through our distrust and our um, – our belief system about the people want to hurt me. Right. And so as soon as anything is said, that person gets really angry. You know, you get really angry. Right. And the truth is, is if everything could be reframed, right. even if they are intentionally trying to hurt you, you don't have to pick it up. Mm-hmm. You don't have to say, oh, that's true. You don't have to fight back. You always have a choice. That's yours, man. That's not mine. That is yours. I'm not taking I'm not yours. picking it up. No way, man. No. I don't like picking stuff up. No. And sometimes you pick it up and you walk around with it for a few hours and you say, oh, I don't want this anymore. Anymore. You picked up Skylar and Cameron's room, though. That's a totally different kind of pickup. I know. You know, I did, and I know you don't like it when I do that because Todd thinks I'm letting them off the hook. But that was a situation where my friends were coming to stay, I know. and I had about 45 minutes. Before... See what I'm doing? I'm focusing on your negatives. <laughs> well, I needed to clean up their rooms, and it was funny because Skylar was downstairs, and you kept saying, "Go up there and help mom," and she goes, "Oh, she's done." <laughs> No, actually, she said she hasn't started yet. Like, she was totally playing me. Oh, yeah. She hasn't, she's still on Cameron's room. Are you sure she's still on Cameron's room? I said, Scotty, go upstairs and check to see where mom is. Oh, no. Mama already finished my room. Oh, she's like, darn. She got it. I know. So I totally did not do what you and I think we should do. Number six, hug each other as soon as you see each other after work. Now, I'm going to modify this one a little bit. I don't know where I heard it. It's called Five for Five. Okay. After work, when you first see your partner for the first time after work, uh-huh. for five minutes, stay five at five feet or less feet away from one another. Okay. So in other words, you get home from work, like it's the physical connection. Right. So, and we don't really do this, but think about that. If I came home and we sat and talked about our day for five minutes within a he's. I don't remember where I heard it, but like, there's something special that happens if you're close. Well, you get in each other's energy field. Yes. You pick up on each other. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that kind of goes along remember with Remember what we learned in heart math? Um, Todd and I studied heart math stuff. Todd is actually certified in heart math. That's right. Um, but the the heart has a much wider energy field energy to field. than the brain. Right. So when you are close enough to somebody, you can actually feel the energy of their heart. Right. So getting in their proximity, getting in their space... Um, you pick up on each other's feelings. and I'll see if I can find a blog that talks about the energy field of the heart versus the brain. And we actually did a show about it a couple of years ago, so you could repost that one. We okay. talked about the heart and the head and which one's more, which one's stronger. I think we did the scarecrow and the tin man. We did. Um, but one thing I will say is, um, Todd, is I really for a couple of years have been making a point to hug you and sometimes just out of the blue. And we had to have talks about the fact that you would want to pull away really fast. 
Right. Do you know what I mean? Because you were like kind of multitasking. Right. And then I would then hold on and say, no, you right. have to really hug me. And then you would relax into it. Um, uh, younger people, close your ears. It was kind of a half-ass hug. Yeah. Safe to say. You are, uh, well, yeah, because you did the pat-pat back thing. Yeah. Pat, I, pat, I was not invested in the hug whatsoever. And again, I will say that I'm doing it out of the blue, so your mind isn't ready for right. it. But I'm doing it out of the blue on purpose because I want to reconnect in that moment if we're not connected. So we did a show uh, way back when called Respect for the Scarecrow and the Tin Man, and it's at zenparentingradio.com slash 14, and we talk about the difference between the Gosh, heart, number 14. heart and the brain, mm -hmm. uh, but also try to find a blog on it. So check our show notes for that if that interests you. All right, number seven, say I love you and have a good day every morning. Definitely don't do that. Uh, I try to say I love you right before we fall asleep mm -hmm. and have a good day. I don't know. You know what? It's it, This is all semantics. Say something kind. It doesn't matter if you say I love you, have a good day. It's... Um, you know, hope your meeting goes well. Um, you know, thank you for doing whatever last night. You know, it's not about exactly what you say. It's about ending your time together on a positive note. If you're walking out the door saying, well, yeah, you're a jerk, that's not going to work out so right. well for your marriage. Right. And that's a that's a leverage power one-upmanship thing. Well, the next one kind of goes in with it. It's okay. a say good night every night regardless of how you feel. You do that really well. Um, yeah. You do it while you're sleeping. Right. So I think those two go hand in hand. But number nine, do a weather check during the day. What do you think about that? I don't understand. Basically means just check in with your partner in the middle of the day, assuming that it's a regular nine to five job and you're going to be gone from each other for nine or 10 hours. Uh, just check in with your partner. I think that that is overkill. Well, I think people do that naturally anyway, especially when you have kids. Are you going to pick them up? Are you going to do this? I think that one thing that helps with – you and I pass each other so much during the day because we both work at home and we're mm – -hmm. you know, you, don't, I, you and I don't need to check in with each other. But I think it's funny – or I think it's fun to have like kind of a sense of humor with your partner, maybe where you can text something funny or I think you should read this. Or And again, this sounds so contrived. Like if you're not doing it naturally, mm -hmm. if it doesn't well, come... Well, no, but we could be a resource for our listeners. And okay. like I said, if they could do one or two of these 10 things okay. that will increase or enhance their marriage, then hey, man, do it. Well, you're right. But what I mean is is sometimes people take things way too literally. Like you don't need to like text your partner and say, I'm checking in with you. Like if something... I, I always go with the heart thing. If I read something and it reminds me of Todd, I send it to him. Right. If I think of something and it makes me laugh and it involves Todd, I text him. Mm -hmm. It's a very natural, I don't sit and contemplate how I'm going to check in with Todd. It's a very natural thing. And I do that with my girlfriends or my mom or my sister. You know, it's like it, it, Plus, it, it, well, it's natural. And what I was going to say, it doesn't take a lot of time. You no. can text it. Yeah. It's not like you have to pick up the phone, no. dial, wait for her to answer. Just say, hey, thinking about you, whatever. Right. Like this weekend, my friend Megan put emojis. Is that what they're called? I don't know. They're like those little emotion things on my phone. On your texts. And so they've been hilarious because I've been texting these little things to my friends. And they're hilarious because they're not all like smiley faces. Like some of them are like... <laughs> are like knives, and one is a hypodermic needle with blood coming out of it. Like, nice. what's the deal? One's a gun, one's a toilet. And again, these are this is just comes in the set, and it just made my friends and I crack up very much to just send on a little picture of a gun. Like, it's it's totally inappropriate. Don't do it with kids. Right. But with your friends, it's funny. And you don't know the app because you had Megan do it Megan for you. Megan did it for me because I'm not very 
tech savvy, but we had a good time with it. Let me just say that. Emoticons. Emoticons. And I think they're like years old. So I, I think know. everybody's saying, yeah, <laughs> we did that back in 2011. Okay. I'm slow with technology. Uh, number 10, be proud to be seen with your partner. Eh, you know, you should do that. Whatever. <laughs> Be proud. I don't know. I thought the first few were pretty good. But yeah, be proud. I mean, and don't, how about this? Don't rag on your partner with your friends. Yeah. That is a huge one for you and I. Yeah. Not that we ever did it, but man, I witnessed it. Guys are complaining about their wives all the time. Right. Dude, that's your wife. Dude. Have respect. Right. Even if she is crazy. Sweetie, you're crazy. You're female. I don't understand the way your brain works, (laughs) but I still love you and I'm not going to rag on you to my friends. If you're going to rag on your wife, rag on your wife to your wife and work it out yeah. instead of deal with it the other way. Well, and let's differentiate because women um, and men may be this way as well, but women really talk a lot and they share a lot. So you can have humor or share a story or say I'm struggling with something. It's one thing to vent and right. to share something. It's another thing to rag on and label your husband. He's a jerk. He's this. I can't believe him. And to disparage him and throw him under the bus. Mm-hmm. That's something I wouldn't do. Right. Um, what I share with my friends, you know, I'm struggling with this or what do I say about this you bet i mean that's what we do for each other tournament of bad tournament of bad tournament of bad two things okay one is i just thought of it when guys say to other guys or people say happy wife happy life yeah (laughs) i don't know it's just a complete disregard to our it's all about your happiness and then i'm happy like that doesn't seem very balanced well it's not but uh, this is the way i would view that that is what their experience is. What they're watching right, that's is that true. if their wife is upset, the whole house gets disrupted. But why isn't it the other way? What if it's ha- happy husband, happy life? Well, and I'm sure in some situations it is. But what I think it's become kind of a cliche thing to say. But I agree with you. It, I don't, it's always bothered me. I, I don't know. know why. Well, it's because it, it makes it all about the woman. Yes. And what about your happiness? That's right, man. And are your needs getting met? Exactly. Because in the long run, you may say, well, everything is going to be about my wife. I'm just going to focus on her and forget about me. But that's going to bite you in the butt yeah. later. Balance, balance, balance. balance. balance yeah. and the other tournament a bad thing, which is uh, almost as frustrating, Golden Globes were on last night. Yeah. People get up and they <laughs> say something like, oh, my God, I am nothing prepared because I didn't think there was a possibility I would win. There was a 20% possibility <laughs> you were going to win. So get it together. Come up with something, even if it's, uh, oh, thank you to family and friends, and then get off. But the shock and awe and surprise I'm done with that. Well, I'll say this. I think that they, you know, especially if you, the statistics, because there's always reading of who they think is going to win. I do believe that they can sometimes be surprised and that they're scared. Meryl Streep. Doesn't Meryl Streep, whenever she wins, she's like, oh, I didn't think I was going to win. Meryl Streep, you're one of the best actors of all time. I know, but the reason Meryl Streep never thinks she's going to win is because she's been nominated 862 times. hasn't she won a bunch? She's won like twice. So the thing is, is I think that it's one thing to be nominated, another thing to win. But this is what I'll say about it. What I freak out about, like the whole Jacqueline Bissett thing last night, which was so brutal, Mm -hmm. is that this is what you do for a living. You stand in front of people and you, you, you know, yeah, here's the deal. You act. If you don't have it together, act like (laughs) you do have have it together together. because you can't really be that good of an actress (laughs) if you can't act that way. And you know what I do before I give a presentation is I come up with a story to get me going. Like I Is the story like when Marsha Brady imagines that guy in his underwear in the car? It's not a fake story like that. It's like if I'm going to go talk about something, I always have something I'm going to start with because all I need to do is get rolling and then 
everything starts to flow out of my brain. Right. So if I was up for an award, I'd be like, okay, I don't need to come up with a full speech, right. but what would I go up there and start with right. to get me rolling? Right. So I'm sure all the movie stars who win Golden Globes are listening right now yes. and they're taking our tips. Yes. Meryl Streep, you're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome. Um, all right. So now I want to talk about our amazing partner, Tree of Life Chiropractic Care. They adjust me and my wife and my three daughters every week mm-hmm. and they keep us healthy and happy. And their number is 630-941-8733. Healthy families by choice, sweetie. Not by chance. Not by chance. So that's the deal with the blog. Um, So let's move over to what age is most important to be around. Okay. Okay. So there is this lady, Kate Hunter. She wrote a blog. We'll post it on our show notes. And the name of it is The Age Your Kids Need You When They're the age your kids need you around the most okay. parentheses hint it's not when they're newborns yeah um so i think that was just a kind of a grabby title because really of I, course they do i disagree there's well, nothing more helpless than a newborn child and it needs you 23 7 like you said it's a grabby title and it's all relative i think what what the the gist of what she's trying to say is that they need you. A lot of people walk around saying, you know, I'm going to stay home with my daughter or my son when they're, you know, zero to two. And then from then on, they really don't need me at home as much anymore. And I think that that's something that makes us feel good about our choices. But the truth is, is that they always need you around in some way. Believe me, I understand that many of you need to work, especially single parents. You got to work full time. I totally get it. This is not criticism. It's having an understanding that when you are not working, being being present or at least having a reconnection time is essential. Like right. assuming that your child can manage without you is is untrue. Well, she says in the article, and he's making, she's talking about her son, he's making friends with mothers I don't know. I mean, it's just, and that is an example of, yeah, I mean, that. Not, not he's making friends with mothers. He's, he's making, making friends, friends with, with kids, kids whose mothers, mothers I, don't I don't know. know. Thank yeah. you for that clarification. <laughs> like, that, that'd, be, that'd be weird. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I think that we do tend – I mean, we haven't gotten there yet. Our well, oldest a little is 10. Bit. I, and not in the way – my child is not 13. My child is going to be 11. But you – what I have noticed this year is how she directs a little of her own time, mm-hmm. meaning I'm going to go here. We've already planned this, um, you know, being gone for really significant periods of time. Right. Like over break, you know, she left at 10 a.m. and then it turned into an overnight and I didn't see her till the next day. Right. That was very difficult for me. I know. Um, you know, the, I'm noticing that that ability for her to be gone right. for a long time. Well, and and to talk about toddlers here for a second, because she's talking about toddlers, the theory is that babies and to- toddlers are actually remarkably resilient. Yeah. And we think that we have to protect them and do all this stuff. And think of the amount of hours that we spend with to- toddlers. Yeah. Between reading and singing and all this ridiculously wonderful things. And I think we as parents get burnt out. Oh, like, for sure. Oh, my God. Those first 12 years were so hard. I'm going to let these kids kind of figure it out for themselves. And there's a place for them to figure certain yes. things out for themselves. Yes. But at the same time, there is a different place where they need you a hundred times more than they needed you when they were taught. They need you in a different way. Yes. They need to know that you're accessible because I think when we start to, and it's interesting, Todd, because there's a lot of layers to this. I think sometimes when our children start to go out on their own, they in some ways push us away, not in a I don't love you way, but in a give me some room to breathe. I wrote about this for this month's Chicago Parent column. All right. We'll put that um, in the show notes too. Yeah. I wrote about the fact that my daughter is giving me signs that she needs a little more room and I started 
started the article by saying, I, you know, I tried to grab her hand as we were crossing the street. And even though she let me grab her hand, she was kind of like, uh, dude, right. <laughs> I could cross the street. And that wasn't, I, I don't take offense to that. Right. Um, and as parents, we've got to give them that space. But at the same time, we have to then be present in other ways. Right. We have to make sure we check in. We have to make sure that we take them on dates and and reconnect in that way. We have to make sure that we, you know, follow through on things. If they're going to a new person's house, ask who that person is, mm-hmm. you know, meet that person, meet their parent, like stay connected. You don't have to be over the edge. Right. I'm pretty trusting of my daughters where I'm not checking into every little thing and or, you know, making sure they're doing exactly what they told me. Um, you know, they've earned my trust at this point. Right. Um, but the I guess the point is, is that we can't just let go and say, well, forget it. If you don't need me, then I'm out of here. Right. And even though you may say, well, I wouldn't do that. Sometimes we do. Right. And when, when they're between the ages of 10 and 14, let's say their friendships do become much more complex. Yes. And that's a part of when they need us the most. And, uh, it says in the article, um, some kids lose interest in school during that time, the window of opportunity to help children find their spark and become more independent you have to help emancipate them yes. so what that means is they're going out in the world but you need to be there while they're going out in the world you need to, well i just read a great article and i think um it was taken from a book about how around that age children begin to really focus on peer orientation because they don't know how to evolve the relationship with their parents. Really, children through their teenage years should continue to have a parent orientation where they come to the parent when they need help. But because that relationship so rarely evolves healthy, they start to do peer orientation where they'll go to their, you know, instead of going to their mom when they get their period or instead of going to their mom when they're, you know, going to get into a fight after school, they go to their peers and say, how do I do this? Now, many of you may say, well, that's what I did. But did you feel 100% safe that way? Like, I know my children are not going to tell me every single thing, nor do I want to hear every single thing. I got to be honest. But I want to be available when they are scared or worried. And I want them to know that my love doesn't change for them, that they're not going to get a huge punishment because of it, you know, the whole punishment thing, that they are safe. And that is a, when we're trying to stick to old guidelines of doing the same thing we did when they were little, they're not going to come to us unless we open that door. I've said it a million times on this show, the world can be hard and cruel. So our job as parents, you and I, Kathy, is to make sure that when the world kicks them in the butt, that they have a safe place to come home to. That's right. Safe place to land. That when they to walk har- in the door, yeah. they're not trying to hide every aspect to of To harden themselves. and toughen your kid up, it's not required the way that a lot of, especially dads, want to toughen up their kids. Well, it, first of all, because the world's already going to do it. Yes. You don't need to add to it. Right. When people are like, well, I'm going to teach them this lesson so they toughen up. Don't worry. The world will do that. What they need from you is a place to land. Right. They need a place to live and be safe. And I don't mean under a, a roof. I mean, they need a place to be themselves themselves. Mm -hmm. And so if you can give them that safe space, they will be able to tolerate the hardships of the world a lot better. They will be more resilient. And so we have this misunderstanding that we need to be the ones that, you know. So this is a quick transition. Uh, We have a friend who we've never met, but he's he's written to us a few times. His name is Michael Gonzalez. And uh, I'm not, he had a lot of questions that I said, maybe we talk about on the show, but there's one specific question I want to address here. Okay. He has a teenage, a girl who's in pre-adolescence. I don't know if she's 10 or 12 or whatever. Yeah. And he's having a hard time connecting with her because, you know, the physical affection is kind of dissipating. Mm-hmm. She doesn't want to be around her dad in the that same way. way. Mm-hmm. And um, were there any tips? 
tips or is there any advice that we have? And um, my advice, and you can add to this, Kathy, is that um, figure out different ways of how to stay physically connected to her. And that could mean instead of giving her kisses and hugs because she doesn't want that anymore, you can rub her feet. Um, Or maybe you'd always give her a hug, you know, before school in front of the schoolyard, she doesn't want to get that in front of the schoolyard, but maybe she feels safer at home. So you want to not do it in front of her friends, but you can still do it. And backing up on Todd said you can rub her feet. For many people, that can be, a, it feels or it sounds like a sensual act, especially when you see Pulp Fiction. Right. Um, but what Todd, is, what we've discussed before on the show is when your children are young, especially if they're in things like sports or they're having growing pains, if you make that a practice where maybe before bed, you know, like you have a seven, eight, nine year old daughter and you can kind of rub her legs and rub her feet, it keeps you physically connected without being, um, it's not too intimate well, if that started at an early age. That's true. Or or just scratching her back. Scratching her back. Whatever. Just figure it out. But Putting your arm around her. But I, I guess I would like to say to our friend Michael, is yes, it's going to change. Yeah, and it's that's not, okay. It's not going to be, and that's the way it's supposed, supposed to, to be. be. Yeah, and figure out ways uh, that may that that she's still comfortable with. Don't and and, uh, and he seems like a very thoughtful dad, very conscious man. Yes, yeah. but um, for dads who may not be so conscious, just know that it's going to change, and don't put your expectations above what her needs are. Well, you know, I was sharing this with you, um, and I haven't seen this movie forever, but I remember it very vividly. I was talking about the movie American Beauty. Um, and one of the scenes in American Beauty is when there's an obvious disconnect between Kevin Spacey and his daughter. And there's this point where they're washing dishes, I think. And he's talking about, they start discussing how disconnected they are. And he keeps saying, you know, you used to go fishing with me. You know, you used to love what we used to do. And now you're just doing your own thing. He was basically blaming her. And she was able to say back to him, come find me. You know, Mm -hmm. like, why does this, I can't stay the same. You are the dad. You are the dad. It is your job to figure it out. It's not... It's her not your job child's job to figure it out. And that doesn't mean that she doesn't, you, you know, you don't expect her to be respectful and expect her to, you know, be a active participant in the relationship. She doesn't just get to dump all over you. Exactly. But it is your job to figure out how to reconnect and you can't blame her for not wanting to go fishing with you like she did when she was eight. Right. She, her, her things are changing and you need to, you know, figure out ways to, <clears throat> to, Listen to the music she's listening to. You, you don't have to love it. You can just say, play that song for me. Let me hear it. You love it. Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. You know, you don't have to become her. Right. Just be interested in her right. or him. Right. It's not just girls. This yeah. is for your teenage boys, right. too. So um, we basically have to close out the show. Okay. A few things I want to add is we have what that. What about Avid? Uh, oh, Avid Company. 630-956-1800, Painting and Remodeling, uh, Western Suburbs of Chicago. Uh, Jeremy is the owner, a good friend, and very good at what he does. So if you need any... Uh, house improvement, additions, rehabs, uh, give Painting, them a call. Painting, yeah. Avidco.net. Um, two things to promote. One is share this show and you'll be eligible to get free tickets to our showing of Girl Rising. Yep. And then we have a search box on our webpage, an Amazon search box. And if you go there to buy your Amazon stuff first... 
It'll so, take you to Amazon. Go to our page. Click on that link. Click on this that gets link. To, yeah. Click on that link off of our page. It'll take you to Amazon. And then buy. And then buy. So all it does is if you click on that box from our page, then it takes you to a place where we, actually not Todd and I so much, but our BU program gets a small percentage of what you purchase. And again, it doesn't come from you. It comes from Amazon. So you're not paying any extra. Right. But that helps us. That helps BU and it helps us support kids, the age of the kids we're talking about right now. That's right. Pre-adolescence in feeling more grounded and content in who they are. And uh, don't forget to give us a review on iTunes, and I'll mention your name on our show next week if you want. Yeah. All right. Thanks, everybody. Have a great week.